0: We go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number five hundred and sixty-one. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding and always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being, is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we're gonna talk about how to motivate our kids. We're gonna have a quick piece about back to school stuff. Might play a clip from a documentary my sweetie and I just watched last night called The Weight of Gold. Uh-huh. And uh, so that's it. But first, Zen Talk number 99 took place last week. Uh-huh. Um, we talked about giving a school pep talk.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I don't remember if that was something we shared or a question that came up. Yeah, one of the moms said, how do I get my kids up? Remember Millie asked that question like,
1: how do, she, basically she asked how do i get them motivated which dif- we're going to talk about a- right now um to go back to school how do i what language do i use to begin this school year yeah, and
0: how do we reframe it because the spring experience wasn't good for one of her sons yeah so anyways uh and then the other question we answered was a uh, six-year-old son refused to get in the car so that was interesting um
1: so uh, regarding team zen something i posted on social networking this weekend was you know basically if you are cuz i think sometimes we talk about team zen so much it kind of goes over everybody's head like that's just something you guys do and that doesn't you know that's not part of what I do, maybe is what you're thinking. Team Zen is a virtual community. And the reason we created it a few years ago was because a lot of parents wanted to ask their own questions and they wanted to like have more personal time with Todd and I and find a virtual community of like-minded parents. And since this pandemic has begun, we loved Team Zen before, but it has been so helpful during this time where we have people from all over the United States. So every state is doing this differently, as you you know, and people from all over the world. So we're talking to, you know, there are people on the team from different countries and their experience. And so we've all kind of moved through this together and people ask questions and validate other people's questions and answers. And basically, if you're having a hard time right now and you don't feel like, you know, you need a new perspective on this whole back to school pandemic uncertainty, join Team Zen because we have a community ready to go. It's already up and running and you get access to 199. 99. 99 previous Zen Talks.
0: The big 100 is a week from Thursday.
1: So, and I think, what is it, Friend? What's the coupon code?
0: Coupon code is Friend, friend. which gives you your first month is free. And I wanna thank uh, Marty, Marnie from Texas. Yes. She's our new friend.
1: She's one of our new teams. Uh, And the
0: tagline is 100% support, zero pressure, or zero pressure, 100% support. Mm -hmm.
1: And and basically all that means is you don't have to do anything on Team Zen, but if you have questions or you need support, everyone's there for you.
0: Um, I want to read off just some things. Devorah Heitner is somebody who spoke at one of our uh, conferences last, was it this? Two years ago. Two years ago. And it's about back to school stuff. And they're just very practical tips. And I feel like the time is right to be saying this as I record this on August 17th. So I'm just going to read off some of these bullet points, sweetie. And if you have anything to add, great. If not, I'll just keep moving on. Okay. All right? This is some of the things that Devorah said regarding virtual learning. Uh, movement is crucial. Walk or go outside or dance before sitting down to work. Okay. So keep your kids moving. Stretch in between classes. Yeah. You think our kids are going to stretch between their classes?
1: Well, it's a practice. I mean, you know, some of the people listening to the show right now have little kids and you can teach them how to, when there is a break, not just to stay seated, but to actually move around or to run around or to go outside and get fresh air. Like we can help our kids learn good habits that end up being important even beyond this virtual learning. Uh,
0: The second big bullet point is communicate with the teachers. Is there an older sibling helping the younger one during school time? Let the teacher know has your child been stressed let the teacher Wait, know let the teacher
1: so basically what she's saying is if the, there's something specific that you want the teacher to know let let her or him know
0: correct Okay. And she's asking if an older sibling is helping the younger one during school time, let the teacher know. Hey, just an FYI. Got
1: it, because during virtual learning, if the parent can't be there, an older sibling would help.
0: Okay. Um, Is there a time of the day that's proving hard for one of your kids? Let the teacher know, basically just communicate with them. Troubleshoot distractions, create an environment with fewer distractions. Headphones can help some kids, especially if multiple siblings are doing remote in school at the same place. Uh, and help your child address potential distractions in the environment. So basically, I'm trying to think how our three kids are going to do remote learning from under the same roof.
1: Well, I've talked to all three of them about where they want to do it, and I know Cameron likes to do it in a room. Skylar says she wants to be at the kitchen counter, and a lot of times JC does too. They have their own earphones, but I think when they have like – Things like they're doing group work, um, they tend to go in their own room. Like Mm -hmm. Skyler had to like sing things. Yes. And she didn't want to do that at the kitchen counter. I think what we do is we offer them a space, but don't demand a space. Meaning don't say you have to do schoolwork here. I mean, unless there's a reason. Like you all share the same room and you need to, they need to be out of your workspace. Like I understand if it's absolutely essential, but I think a lot of times we try and set things up for our kids and say, this is how you have to do school. And I think they know how and why and where they feel comfortable if we give them a little space. So,
0: um, so yeah, so close the chapter on that part of the podcast, just some practical tips. Um, so I played pickleball yesterday and I was talking with my friend, Jeff, who I played with, and we're just talking about, um, you know, his kids doing ballet. Our kid has decided not to do ballet this fall. And we just started talking, you know, very basically about how do we motivate kids or how do we you know, strike that balance between keeping them engaged and not like regressing onto the TV screen all day while at the same time, uh, you know, meeting their needs as well. So um, I just wanted to have kind of like an open discussion on how we can strike the balance because I think it's something I struggle with. I think it's something a lot of parents struggle with, like um, extracurricular activities during this pandemic, which are available, I think, in most places um, some parents I'll go to one side of the extreme are you have to choose one and this is the one you're going to choose. Like you have, we, we play basketball in this family, so you must play basketball. So I'm using an extreme example. And the other side is, um, you don't ever have to do anything anytime ever. <laughs> and obviously neither of those two are what I consider a healthy thing. So it's more about how do we do it? And then I started talking to Jeff about, intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. Because if I make my kid go to ballet, you could do it and she might become the best ballerina of all time, but it comes at a cost. There is some type of uh, expense as a result of that. It's funny. We just watched that uh, documentary last night about these Olympians, yeah. which was narrated by Michael Phelps. Yeah. And the cost that they focused on in that documentary, I'm sure there's a, a whole bunch of costs. But the one that they focused on was mental illness. Yes. Like
1: which is the big cost that trickles down to makes all the other costs. Like if your mental wellness is not intact, then nothing then your relationships aren't intact, then your maybe your career or what you're gonna do next or your living conditions, like everything stems from your mental well-being
0: so i'm going to play the 60 seconds from michael phelps and then i'm going to hand it over to you sounds good so this is towards the end of the documentary it's michael phelps and then at the very end it's sean what's the guy's name sean white sean white um so here we go we're human i don't think i have to say anything else we're human beings just like everybody else yeah i had won a shit ton of medals I had a great career. Doesn't matter. I wasn't happy with who I was. I thought of myself of, of just a swimmer and not a human being, not a person. No self-love, no self-confidence. You know thinking about committing suicide and not being alive anymore. you know, I think back to it now, still, it's it's crazy what what's been able to happen and what I've been able to learn. It's okay to not be okay, and it's okay to kind of, like, talk to people about it. you got to definitely find the right people in your life that you can talk to about these things. Oh, and that was Sean White.
1: So I I think that this documentary, The Weight of Gold, it, you know, came out now, it's on HBO and Todd and I enjoyed it. It was 60 minutes long. It obviously is right up our alley and understanding how, you know, human behavior and, and what we ask of our kids or what they ask of themselves and then the results of that. I think it'll have more of a... Life when we're not confronted by so many major issues. I think this movie is a little drowned out by the fact that so many people are hurting right now yeah. that it's very difficult to have. We can still have empathy for everyone in the documentary, but they're all, you know, they're like
0: Olympic medalists. Right, and I I agree with you. The, you have to view this documentary through the lens of these are just people and we could be talking about Michael Phelps and dedicating the amount of dedication that he did to become an Olympian to my kid who may or may not want to take ballet like it's it's right. the same
1: it is in that if you can understand, like I look at every movie or documentary like this through the lens of human behavior and how, you know, we just watched, um, just on a lighter note, we just watched the Go-Go's documentary this weekend um, and I was such a huge Go-Go's fan, um, which I'm sure a lot of you were or maybe continue to be. And even watching their story, you know, I, I just remembered all the E! True Hollywood stories and all of the, um, you know, behind the musics I watched and I was telling Todd how much I learned from these shows and movies, like, or these, they were shows, and how much I learned from why bands break up. You may think, but I'm not in a band. That has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with you. It's about ego. It's about not seeing other people's perspective. It's about having your loves out of order and thinking that money and success come first. You know, in this go documentary. Hold on real quick.
0: Okay, go ahead, sweetie.
1: You just had to hear that part. Yeah. Is that, you know, basically, I, I forgot I was going to say.
0: Okay, so- You were talking about how rock stars, the demise of most rock bands, and I would say, and I don't know if this is where you're going, but the Go-Go's are the same as every other terrible story for a rock band.
1: Yes, but they're the same story for everybody's life. Is My point is, is we look at the weight of gold and we say, but I'm not a- you know, but I'm not Michael Phelps. And we watch the go documentary and you're like, but I'm not Belinda Carlisle. But there's so much to take from other people's stories is what did they not understand? And it was like, for example, what's the most common thing you hear besides addiction, which is very common in every E True Hollywood story and every documentary about a band? It's that they got rid of the manager that loved them mm-hmm. and took care of them. And they went to like the high level falutin manager who said, We're going to put you on every magazine cover and we're going to take you to that next level of success. And guess what? that person doesn't care about the band. What they want is they want to make more money. They want to you know, and what ends up happening then? Then you lose yourself and you're on tour all the time and then you you start to get angry about things you're you're not getting because you're tired and you're addicted and you're like my point is is that there's so many like through lines that is the same in every story. When
0: I would insert that the through line for Rock bands, and maybe it's the rest of us. Is the the demise of the Go Go's and most other rock bands who break up is they get they achieve this thing that they Uh thought they wanted. Uh It doesn't fill them up.
1: Correct. So
0: there's no fulfillment.
1: Exactly. So
0: like I win the lottery and I don't have to worry about my girl's college tuition. Yeah. I'm just going to worry about something different after that.
1: Correct. And here's what they say in every documentary. But I kind of laughed when I heard it in the Go-Go's Is They had, first of all, they were the first female band, all female band, who wrote all their own music and played all their own instruments to hit number one mm-hmm. as far as their album. By the way, they were touring with the police as the opening act for the police and their album, Beauty and the Beat, went above the police's album. Yeah, Meaning they were number one and the police were number six. Now I will say real quickly for the police, the police totally celebrated it, brought them champagne and were like, congratulations girls. They were girls. classy. We're so proud of you. Yeah. So I would just like to say that for Sting and Stuart Copeland and for Andy... The third guy. <laughs> Andy, Andy Summers. Summers. They were cool. Um, but that... That level of success is a phenomenon. You are the first. You are the first all female. You're a phenomenon, and your level of success now is amazing. And they kept talking about
0: we were ready for the next level of success.
1: I'm like, what level is that? Yeah, you're number one. You are one. already at that level. Like Michael
0: Phelps, he got the gold medal, and then he got whatever 22 more. But-
1: exactly. And then they did their vacation album, and then they did their talk show album. But they they kept trying to find something that they couldn't find, which was sense of self. They kept saying we didn't know who we were. You know, my favorite Go Go uh, Charlotte Caffey was a heroin addict the whole time. Um, the other girls were like, had all these health problems and in mental health issues. They were looking for something inside the fame that didn't live there. Same with the, um, the weight of gold, all of these Olympians, they wanted that focus on them on at the Olympics because they excelled at something and it's all they worked toward. And some of them got what they wanted. And they were then depressed and some of them didn't get what they wanted and were then depressed. So there was no difference. Well, and
0: their, and their focus was singular? Yes. And I remember I, I, Tony Robbins said this in whatever, one of the things I listened to, and they've done like these studies on astronauts who went to the moon and most all of them came back having some type of depression. Correct. Because if you get on the moon, like what, what is beyond the gold medal? What is beyond the number one hit? What is beyond walking on the moon? funny walking on the moon that's a name of a police song it is some may say um like where do you go from there
1: so and this is the idea this is what we're going to talk about with motivation, is this is the belief system we still have a culture, as the belief system we still have as a culture, is that we believe if we have achieved some kind of success or status, that happiness lives there. Yes. And we may say, no, I don't believe that. I, re- I really don't believe that. But your actions yeah, the behaviors. with your children and the way that you respond to things or think things should happen, you really are, it's a deep-seated belief in you and you're acting it out, even if you're saying something different. Yeah. and we all do like i'm not taking myself off that list sometimes i'm i get confused about wait why am i doing this again mm-hmm. what am i looking for because the the thing that i've been able to learn through other people and through pop culture and through my own experience is when you get everything you want you're just still you there like you we look at lady gaga and we say well she's lady gaga guess what she struggles with mental illness and depression Reminds me we look at Claire. ariana grande and she is struggling with mental illness and depression. We look at Justin Bieber, and he's struggling with mental illness and depression. We look at Michael Jackson. He numbed himself out. There's a whole other story in there about his issues with children, which, you know, whatever, you know, that's a whole other co- topic of conversation, but obviously had some mental illness issues. We look at, we hold up these people and we say, but they should be happy. And they're saying to us, I'm not. It doesn't live here. This is not where our sense of self comes from. Our sense of self comes from something closer to the ground. And when I say something closer to the ground, I mean something about the inner stability of our being. And then if success comes, it's icing and not what we need.
0: It's the icing on the cake, but it's not the cake.
1: It's not even close to the cake.
0: So to to first a quote, there's no way to happiness. Happiness is the way, Mm -hmm. which is You know, there's some parts of that that I would like to dissect and really challenge. Just the word happy, yeah. yeah. Uh, And then Jim Carrey, and we talked about this on the podcast, said, I wish everybody could be a millionaire for a day or a week or a year and realize it's not that. It doesn't get you what you think it's going to get you.
1: Exactly. And how many people need to tell us this before we believe it, right? And some of you may have already experienced this. Those of you who are like, okay, I became a CEO and I bought the boat and I bought the three cars and I bought the bigger house and I have all these things. Some of these women come to me because some of these women who um, are very wealthy and have gotten all the things that they've wanted and they can buy whatever they want and get all the clothes they want. It's not that they hate that. They enjoy it and there's an appreciation, but they're like, why am I still empty and sad? Mm. And it's for the same reason. So what does this have to do with motivating your kids? Okay. This is similar. What I I want Todd and I to focus on for the next however many minutes we're with you is a new perspective on motivation. Okay. Okay? So I'm not going to give you a bunch of like quick items where I'm going to say, this is how you motivate your kid. You say this. Yeah. That stuff doesn't exist. Yeah. Okay. Meaning... I guess it does in some ways, but it's surf. It's like a it's like a band
0: aid. Mm-hmm.
1: This motivation is about. Well, I'll start with this. Like when we're raising our kids and when we're raising ourselves, meaning when we're learning about ourselves. Winnicott describes something in regards to our true and false self. Okay, and it's something that everybody. And Winnicott is D.W. Winnicott. He was a therapist from way back when, and he um, he basically talked about how there's the part of us that is real and true and who we are and who we came in the world to be. And then there's, we'd all develop a false self. Now we may say, well, then we just hundred percent want to be our true self. We do want to be our true self, but our false self is not, it's kind of like our ego-based, you know, part of ourselves. It's not absolutely unasen- inessential, unessential, which word? Non-essential. Non-essential. Thank you. Because the the false self is a part of us that, like, even when we're in a bad mood, we're like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Or even when it's we want it to be our turn and it's not, we're like, OK. Like, if we're constantly if we're, if we're being if we don't have a little bit of false self, sometimes it's hard to navigate community and village and relationship sure. because sometimes you have to be like. I'm just going to kind of pretend I'm okay, yeah. not not to in to an unhealthy extreme, but because it's socii- society. Yeah, you're part of this system. Correct, and yeah. so there's so we're not demonizing false self. We're just saying the true self is the is the ideal that we want to uphold of where our joy does come from. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm saying that because. If we understand this, if we want our children to be their true selves, um, to have some societal expectations and to understand it's not all about them, it's not about you know selfishness, but that they really know themselves, then there's certain things we have to do early to create that path. Yes. Because a lot of things we do early, we say, but they need this now, or I'm going to do this now, or they'll figure it out later, or they'll go to therapy later. Why are we overwhelming them or doing things on a daily basis that they have to unwind or untangle late, later. Like why would we why would we intentionally do that? Yeah. And so and a lot of times it's unconscious and unintentional. Yeah. But w- when it comes to motivation, there's a lot of things that we do um that are not healthy. I'll just say that.
0: Well and I would say ex, you know, the conversation I have with Jeff is extrinsic motivation versus intrinsic motivation my kid might want to go to ballet class to please me Mm -hmm. because I want her to stay active, but it's not because she loves ballet. And I'm just making up a story, but like that's kind of the part about how it shows up in an unhealthy way. That is extrinsic motivation right? versus you, the reason that you want to do play the guitar and play basketball and go to ballet when your kids are deciding to participate in a extra extracurricular activity it's hopefully because it's something that pulls them towards it.
1: And this is what I mean about like true self, is that what childhood and teenage years and even the 20s to me are about are about the discovery of your true self. And so often as parents, we tell them who to be. We
0: know better than them, We're, We
1: say, we and we make up stories this grand. I'll, I'll give you a story that I hear a lot. Well, I'm, go- I'm gonna I'm going to be a person I talk to a lot. Well, when I was in high school, I played this sport and it kept me out of trouble and that's where I made all of my friends and, you know, that's what really helped me be stable. So I'm going to have my daughter or son play this sport and then they'll have friends and then they'll be stable and then everything will be fine. Now, I understand like from a common sense, like, I understand why someone is doing the, you know the algebraic equation to figure that out. Or it's not even algebraic. It's A plus B equals C, right? Mm -hmm. If this happens and this happens, then this is going to happen. But there's like no room in that equation for your child's perspective. Yeah. It is you acting a lot of times out of fear, which is, uh, I don't...
0: Of your own unfulfilled crap from when you were a kid, probably. If it
1: be unfulfilled or what fulfilled you. Mm -hmm. So it could be either way. Do you see what I mean? Unfulfilled is... I didn't go far enough in this sport. I want my child to go further. But the fulfilled is I went really far in this sport and my child's going to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Do you see how it can be on either side of the equation?
0: So let me give you like this weird hypothetical that I've since come through. But I remember when uh, we maybe it was right after JC was born, my oldest. And I remember telling my mom, mom, I wish she bought a guitar for me. And then I never I thought it was piano. No, she never bought me a piano. Oh. I didn't like the piano until I was an an adult. Okay. Probably until I started liking Billy Joel. But I used to say to my mom in my 30s when I had a baby, I wish you would have pushed me harder to play the guitar. Uh Uh-huh. Because if you did- I'd be happy. I'd be a good guitar player. I'd be happy. Like, I wish you would have pushed me. And she's like, whatever. She's like, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm not going to take that on. Yeah, this is all your crap. But so, but there is a part of me that feels like if she did push me harder, then I might be a good guitar player and right
1: then now. what and then what?
0: then I could play the guitar and then what? then I'd be happier
1: is that true? do you know I that for, I don't know and if you play the guitar, what would you do with that? like my point is is I'm not saying it's not about guitar it's about you have a you have you have based Whatever hole you have yeah. or whatever piece of yourself that you're not content with, mm-hmm. you have decided that it would have been filled if you would have played guitar. If your mom would have pushed you, you'd be playing guitar. You could have maybe been in Loverboy and you could have been so like- So nobody knows who Loverboy is. <laughs> I came up with that. You could have been in a band. You could have been cool. You could. Have, you would have been happier with yourself. Yeah. And why I started with all of those really famous people at the beginning yeah, is- I mean, maybe that'd be true, Todd. I'm not saying it's not. Like, I would never come in here and say, everything you're doing is absolutely wrong. And what I'm saying is you think that if this happened, you wouldn't have to feel who you are. You wouldn't have to feel these emotions and that you would somehow feel more solid. And if Michael Phelps is telling you, I have the record for gold medals. Mm -hmm. I am the best swimmer in the world. And I still don't know who the hell I am. Yeah. What makes you think that playing the
0: guitar would have- I think it would make me, so two things. I think it would make me incrementally more happy. I wouldn't like be like, oh, I've arrived. I now am self-realized because I could play the guitar. I'm not saying that, but it'd be kind of cool right now to be able to pick up a guitar and play a song. That doesn't mean I'm like, I've reached this destination of this- nirvana happiness but what i want to focus on is the balance between because every day as parents we struggle with these decisions of pushing our kids and allowing our kids and like the example i brought up to jeff yesterday was there's certain things my kids don't have a choice to do they have to go to school they have to wake up they got to get ready for school they have to go to school like that's non-negotiable and then there's other things that are like, okay, it's ballet or it's basketball or whatever, like I don't really care all that much if they do it, but if they're doing it at the expense of whatever, sitting in the room, not doing anything, I'm trying to hone in on, I think this is something parents struggle with.
1: I I understand, but there is no absolute answer. This is perspective taking and reframing. And There's so much worry about that it's either this or that. And there's something in between. If you would have played guitar, you may not have played baseball. You may not have been with Charlie, Marty, and Herbs. You may not have met the person down the block. It's not as if guitar would have saved you. Right. You There's other experiences you had because you didn't play guitar. Mm-hmm. And this is like the, a quote that I wrote down a while ago was, the more we refuse the mystery, the more responsible we feel for doing everything and having everything figured out. Mm-hmm. There's a mystery in there that you chose other things and that determined the life path but you choosing guitar could have led you down a path where you don't want to be now I'm not saying that's the truth right. I'm saying isn't the mystery is your the belief system and I'm using guitar in for everything yeah the belief is if you would have done this mm-hmm. then you would have been happy like for example I had a client who so much wanted her daughter to be a dancer She's like, she's got to be a dancer because that's the cool thing to do. Yeah, That's what I did. She'll be happier. She ended up on a dance team. And her daughter got bullied so significantly on that dance team mm. and lost so much sense of herself. And, and um, you can imagine after she was a sophomore, she was done sure. with the dance team and had to do so much work to get herself back to where she trusted girls her age again. My point in telling that story is not that that's going to happen to every girl or that dance team's bully. That's not the story. You know, if people like listen to that and say, oh yeah, I'm so glad my daughter doesn't do that. There are some dance teams that that doesn't happen ever. Sure. But the story that this mom had created is if my daughter does this, this, and this, this will lead to her path. Right, And she left no room for mystery, for her daughter's, like, what does her daughter want to mm-hmm. do? What what sounds interesting to her daughter? and And could her daughter maybe try it for a year and then be done? You know, there's a lot of parents who are like, if this is your sport, you stick with it and you do nothing else. And then there's no room to choose something else. There's no space. There's no mental space for it. I want to, because I think you have to, this has to be a kind of shorter show. Is we that have 18 the case? minutes. Okay. Can I talk about three things sure. really quick? Because I think it will give like a broader perspective to this conversation. As you guys already know, Todd and I are not going to give you the answer whether or not your child should be in ballet. <laughs> That's not going to be our decision making. What we're trying to talk about is perspective taking. So it doesn't feel so heavy on you. And so you can start to question, is this really something I need to decide? Yeah. These are called, this is another Buddhist framework. Are you ready? Ready. One thing I want to say really quick before we start is there's Western psychology and then there's you know the more Eastern thinking, which is like this Buddhist framework. And the reason that they work so well together, the reason why I like psychology and Buddhism or Zen thought together is because psychology is kind of like the what's going on and then, okay, here it is. Now I understand. You know, therapy, you talk through it. Okay, there it is. But Buddhism or these frameworks are how do you then deal with it? Yeah. Because a lot of times in therapy, you talk it through and you're like, okay, but then what do I do? Yeah, now what? So here's some ways to look at this, okay? Here's some ways to look at this. Lords of Materialism is just basically... um, Okay, let me just read it. says, the three Lords of Materialism in which a form of materialism is misunderstood as bringing long-term happiness, but instead only brings short-term happiness followed by long-term suffering. How about that? It's a lot. So basically all that means are these are the three things that we think are the most important things and that if we achieve these things, we'll be happy. And we may get a high, but they don't sustain and they often lead to later suffering, Mm -hmm. okay, because we give them all of our power and we forget that really life is about, you know – who we are.
0: Well, and that's what the Olympians were all saying. Exactly. They got to the summit. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And then they're like, and and let me just say that what that, The Weight of Gold, that documentary was about was how many former Olympians have taken their own lives. Yeah. They, had, they had, one guy they had interviewed. Yes. And then he took his life.
0: Yeah, after the interview.
1: I mean, I, and so we're like, wait, 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 wait. So, okay. The first one is physical materialism. It's the belief that stuff, possessions, can bring our release from suffering. So it's the belief that what we have physically will make us happy, okay? So for example, um, I am rich, and so because of that, you know, I'm a good person. Or because I have this diploma, I'm smarter and better than you. Or because I'm in this sport or part of this club, um, I'm I'm therefore a good person and my life will be easy. Right. Or because I have this house, I'm inherently better than you. Because I bought this car, that means I've made it.
0: Yeah. Easy. And all this sounds like superficial... Correct. Yeah.
1: And But we still... Even though we're like, oh yeah, that's superficial.
0: I still believe how
1: it. Do, how many people do that?
0: I think all of us do from one time or another.
1: Exactly. We all do it. And so this isn't about you better not do this
0: or... It's more about inquire when you do find yourself thinking these thoughts. Correct.
1: The wonderful thing about these kind of concepts, these kind of frameworks, is they're not about judgment. They're about notice it because this is human. But realize that happiness doesn't come from those things. Like it's the whole idea of driving the car off the lot. It smells good. You're so excited, and then you're driving it for two days, and you're like, "Oh, I forgot I had a new car."
0: Right.
1: It, it and that's a metaphor for anything. Like I achieve this, but you know, wherever you go, there you are. I still feel like myself. Yeah. I'm on stage singing to millions of people, and I don't. I feel horrible. It. Th- these things are not giving me my sense of self. So, mate- physical materialism is the first one. Okay. Number two, psychological materialism. This is the belief that there some philosophy or belief system or point of view will make us happy. So that means like because of my religion, because of my philosophy, because of my political party, because I believe, because I study Buddhism, because I am a therapist, um, I now have all the understanding I need to make life easier. Mm. And the thing that's difficult about the psychological materialism is a lot of people know a lot of stuff but they don't know how to live it
0: yeah it's one thing to say it's another thing to practice it
1: when i hear pundits argue and they're throwing all this information back on each other like you know politically like well what about this and what about this i'm like they're just they're just walking heads there there's nothing they're not practicing anything they want everything they're saying about everybody else they're doing um you know, people who tell me, you know, well, you know, I've been a Christian my whole life, therefore, I'm a good person. Well, I don't really care if you call yourself a Christian. Do you practice? And I mean, in the healthy the beliefs way? of Christianity, right? Are you compassionate and giving and loving and open and accepting? Because it's not about how many times you've gone to church. Mm. And same thing with Buddhism, or same thing with being a therapist. You know, a therapist can be like, well, I know everything about, you know, what it means to be, you know, anxious but you may know the understanding but do you still feel anxiety hmm. and do you does your anxiety sometimes get dumped on your family even if you're a therapist you have to have it's not you know they call it psychological materialism because it's still something we hold sure. that makes us think we're better yeah and then the last one is spiritual materialism this is the belief that if i meditate enough and if i am mindful enough and if I do enough chants, and if I wear the mala beads, and if I wear the yoga pants, and if I get the tattoo of the Aum, and if I do these things, I am inherently better, then you're going to look at me and you're going to say, wow, that's one evolved spiritual mm-hmm. enlightened person. Spiritual, spiritualism is also a practice. It is not because you understand what Aum means. It's not because you've walked the eightfold path. It's not because you understand the four noble truths. It's not because you do yoga every day.
0: You know what this makes me think about? What? I think we're all... I think if you're listening to this podcast, odds are you're a pretty decent parent. And I and I think it's easy for us to be decent parents when we're in a good place. But I think where the rubber meets the road is can we be a decent parent, a decent human being to these people that we help create? when the chips are down, when I am struggling, when... So I kind of feel like that's that's an important distinction. It's like, yeah, when everybody's on vacation in Florida on the beach, (laughs) it's pretty easy to be a good dad. Yeah. What about when you had a crappy day at work and one kid is yelling at another kid about who gets to watch the TV or something Mm -hmm. like that? So it's just... I don't know if watching TV is still a thing. I know. Because everyone's
1: got their own. Quick
0: sidebar. That's one of the things that drives me the most nuts (laughs) about where we are. I'm not. I'm not pointing my finger at kids, but in 2020, we can all watch our own things so easily, and I miss that time where we all would watch. And I'm thinking about my own childhood. Mm -hmm. We'd watch a movie together, and or we'd watch a TV show together, and we're so like. (laughs) We, we don't even have to watch the intro to Parks and Rec. We have a button that could skip over skip intro the 45-second intro. I know. Like, it's just so crazy how easy things have made. And, a, and at least in this regard, it's made it sometimes worse.
1: Right. I agree with everything you just said, and I want to go back to it. But because of time, yep. I want to just kind of explain to everybody why I talked about these three, okay. these three lords of materialism. What does this have to do with motivation? Okay. I think our hope with our children going out in the world, what do we want to teach them? We want to teach them that they're none of these things inherently, that all of these things will show up in their life and it doesn't make them bad. Like if you have a child who's like interested in being number one, they're not a horrible person or anything. They're a kid and they're learning, they're going through this experience and most likely they'll figure out what then it feels like to not be number one. But the hope is that we're teaching from the perspective of you are not your sport. Mm -hmm. You are not our political party. You are not just this religion. You are not um, an Illinoisan. We live in, you know, or Chicagoan. Mm -hmm. You're you're bigger than that. You are, you know, you're an inherently worthy person just because you're here. And that from that place is then where you go. Do all the things that you want to do. Because if you believe that you will become worthy once you get a gold medal like Michael Phelps, you're going to find that it's empty. It'll yeah. feel good for a little bit. Yeah. That's what makes it difficult, is because when we've had a taste of something,
0: endorphins do kick in and you do feel good.
1: Correct. And so, and there is nothing inherently wrong with enjoying that feeling there's nothing wrong with being like, oh my God, like, I'll just give an example in our own life. Like when my girls have had like successes, like, you know, um, won an award or where they were in a musical or they were in ballet or they kicked in the final, you know, you know, they threw in the final lacrosse ball.
0: You're doing great with the sports metaphor, sweetie.
1: (laughs) Whatever. I have cheered and been like, oh my gosh. And, you know, and I've called family members and been excited, but that's like, one moment, one day, a piece of their life that I'm excited about, but I'm not like, now that's who my kid is. Yeah. They're like 80,000 other things, and that's just a small... You can enjoy it and celebrate it and not feel guilty about that, but if you think that's who your kid needs to be all the time, if you think you need to be that, then you're going to constantly be looking in a dark cave for nothing. Yeah. Like the, it, there's It's empty. There's nothing there.
0: One thing I... Um... I've shared this on the show. I guess I've shared a lot of things on the show after doing it for nine or ten years. <laughs> Shafali said something on a podcast or something. One of our friends, Shafali Sabari, who spoke at our first conference, um, she came up with an example or somebody asked her a question like, there's a mom sitting in the kitchen and this eight-year-old daughter says, well, the kids at school think I'm ugly, so I think I'm ugly. And I think the typical parenting response is, "No, no, you're, you're beautiful. Yeah. You're 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 the most beautiful thing in the world." And Shifali's response, which I which I thought was a good one, is, "I refuse to have a conversation about whether or not your value is based upon what you look like. Mm. Like anything, whether it's scoring a soccer goal, if you're you know think you're beautiful or not, like none of that crap really matters in the long run."
1: Right, and yet. This is where we have to, again, Todd and I were just talking about the word equanimity and finding space for everything and expanding larger and also understanding paradox. Those things do not make you inherently worthy, but it's okay to enjoy them. If your child walks down and like, you know, one of my daughters all summer has been playing with curling her hair. And if she walked downstairs and I like, I will not comment on your hair because that has nothing to do with who you are. That's just dumb. Right? Your hair looks beautiful. You did a good job. That's
0: the balance in between because... If you go so far about, oh my God, your, your hair is beautiful. And then what are you going to do tomorrow? Like all of a sudden it becomes a thing.
1: Well, and this is, if my daughter said to me, I'm ready to chop my hair off into a pixie, I'd be like, fine. Hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't connect you with your hair, but if you're enjoying your hair right now, enjoy it. It's all about understanding inherent value and why this gets back to, um, do we have two more minutes just to kind of sum it up? We
0: got five more minutes.
1: Why this gets back to motivating your kids is can you live from this reframe of understanding that your child's worth isn't based on whether or not they got the lead, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that your child making you proud isn't based on straight A's, that those are things you can celebrate and be excited about if that happens. But your child is inherently worthy because they're your child (laughs) and that they are, are People who thrive if they're seen, not just for achievement, but for just being a person with perspective and, and room on this earth to grow and change and try things. And, and so sometimes my kids are like, I want to do this and I'm really invested. And a couple days, a couple sometimes it's days, a couple of years later, they're like, okay, I'm done with this. Okay. I, I don't, I don't look at my kids and say, you're this. And you have to do this.
0: Well, and I think, see if I can explain this the way I want to. Okay. Inherent value. That basically means you have value based upon nothing. You have value based on the fact that you showed up.
1: Because you're a human being.
0: That you're a human Dignity. being. Mm-hmm. You're you are a miracle because the odds of you being born is like 1 in a million. However mm-hmm. many sperm are floating around trying to the fact that mom and dad found each other like this is all miraculous. Mm-hmm. And that is why you're valuable. Just Correct. the fact that you showed up on this earth has Correct. nothing to do with what you got on your ACT or how many goals you scored. Correct. Like those are nice, but that that is not and you know, it's so funny. Of course, we can like learn to teach that to our kids about it. Can we own that ourselves?
1: And that's really who I'm talking to because yeah. I don't think there's a lot of fifth graders listening to this podcast. If you are a fifth grader, we love you yeah, listening. Yeah, listening.
0: tell your friends. <laughs>
1: <laughs> tell your friends. Bring in all the other fifth graders. <laughs> but what I'm saying to the parents is, do you think you're, you are owed all sorts of material like successes from your kid and do you give them love and connection and positivity only when they succeed in some superficial way and i'm saying superficial not because it's not important but it's not it's fleeting mm-hmm. you know they they got something they won an award they go to the highest level they got a gold medal do you love them more then because they made you feel more valuable and important because if that's the road you're laying down for them there will be, they're gonna have to untangle that someday. And they're gonna end up in my office when I'm 90 years old with no teeth, telling me in their middle age, I don't know who I am.
0: I call that toxic residue.
1: Yes. It's like our, you know, as Annie always says, our psychic debris that we haven't cleared up. And we are asking our kids to make us feel better about who we are and who we are as parents instead of looking at them as people, enjoying their successes. And maybe even occasionally, like there are boundaries. Like like Todd and I said, you have to go to school. You have to show up. You know, you have to figure out what you're going to do on Saturday because we're not going to be here. So you're going to be in this or you're going to be in this. You can clean. Like, we can, we can, it's not about, I'm just going to let my kid free float. It's about understanding why you're asking them to do what you're asking them to do. And then it's not based on your needs. And then there's all sorts of room in there for a whole nother discussion that we can't have today because Todd has another call. But I know this isn't, so I know some of you are like, okay, so does my kid do ballet or not? But it's bigger than that. Because well, there is no simple answer.
0: And my invitation is if you connected with what I just said about how your kids have an, have inherent value just because they were born and mm-hmm. just because they showed up, I just want to see if you can redirect that same energy to yourself. Yeah. Because that's something I struggle with all the time is like, I'm only as good as how kid, how good my kids are doing or how many people listen to this podcast. Your
1: latest output.
0: Yeah, whatever I've done lately. And I, it's so easy for me to say that with authenticity to my daughters it's much more difficult for me to believe it in myself
1: which is why the work starts with us instead of working it through on our kids now it can be done simultaneously meaning you're working on it in yourself and then you're practicing in your conversations with your children so it can be simultaneous in there in first and let me just say as we always say in parenting it's never over this is a constant practice I'm not, like, excelling at all these three things all the time. Like, I feel like I have a good perspective on it, but do I, like, sometimes, just like you were saying, want those external successes? I've been bugging Todd for two weeks to buy me a Jeep. We don't have money to go buy a Jeep. I just want a Jeep. Todd, can I get a Jeep? Uh, maybe. Okay. And I'm not really asking him permission. I'm just being funny. Yeah. Can, not, we, I, can I, we
0: make a family decision yes. together? Um, and uh, and
1: it won't bring me more happiness. It's just kind of like one of those. Great. So
0: now we don't have to get a Jeep. Just <laughs> save myself X that. amount of dollars.
1: But so anyway, we're all in this together.
0: We're all in th- this, this together. together. A few things. Uh, Tribe Men's Group. If you're a guy and you listen to this podcast, go to tribemensgroup.org/start. Show up at our Wednesday night meeting, seven thirty. Connect with other men in an authentic way. It's not going to be too scary, guys. Just check it out. Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald headed beauty, uh, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 6309 56 1800. And lastly, I coach guys. First session is free. I would love if you're a guy and you want to work on yourself a little bit, let's talk. Uh, ToddAdamsCoaching.com. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week.
1: Thanks, everybody. Have a good week. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe and review our pop culturing podcast, a Gen X viewpoint on movies and TV with an emphasis on personal growth and self-awareness. It's basically the flip side of Zen Parenting Radio. Do you want more Zen parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen talks through the Team Zen podcast app.
0: And don't forget about Tribe Men's Group. We have a virtual community from men all over the world. Head on over to the tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at todd at It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald head of beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give them a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.